Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Matt Harmon uh, here on the Week 9 Sunday Recap Podcast. No Liz Loza for the second week in a row. She is, again, off being super famous, you know, lavish lifestyle. But I am here with Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's up, man? How How is Week 9 treated you so far? Uh, okay. Uh, some hits, some misses, um, some errors. Mistakes were certainly made, but... Um... Probably the worst bye week of the season when you when you count for the volume of teams and the quality of teams that aren't playing. There's another six-game bye week that I don't think is as bad as today's. So it's about survival. I know a lot of running backs answered the call today, but a lot of good fantasy teams didn't come through. A lot yep. of players that people counted on didn't come through. And if you got through today, I think the scores are lower than they normally would be at this juncture of the week. Of course, we have the Patriots and Packers tonight, and maybe they'll go crazy. But if you survive this week, if, if whether you won with a low score or you know you ran into an opponent who didn't get much things going, you didn't play against the Chicago Bears, hopefully, or uh, some of the other teams that scored touchdowns on defense, there was a lot of that today. Um, I think week nine was about survival. Yeah, I feel you on that. And I, it's funny you mentioned the guys that we really count on who let us down. We are going to talk some of those plays later on in the show. But right off the top, Scott, we're going to get into tomorrow's headline today. And we're going to both kind of piggyback on this first one, but it's offenses that we're just kind of totally out on. Scott, did you see an offense today that really let people down that you're thinking we should probably just, you know, wash our hands of at this point? I am worried about the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, we know in the NFL that you try not to take too much from an outlier performance, good or bad, because the NFL is, is a emotional game. It's a physical game and it doesn't always have continuity week to week, but they get uh, the Lions get crushed at Minnesota, twenty-four to nine. I thought the final score is misleading. Uh, they didn't really have Detroit had what two hundred nine yards of total offense. Matt, that Stafford was sacked ten times, and nobody. I mean, after the Tate trade, Golden Tate's a good player. He shouldn't yeah. be somebody who, if you trade him, your offense collapses. But everybody you would have needed in this game didn't do anything. Carry on Johnson, twelve for thirty-seven. Marvin Jones was the dean of the offense with sixty-six yards. Nobody on the offense scored a touchdown. Just four targets for Kenny Galladay. A lot of them were in garbage time. And even Theo Riddick, I, I guess people have different opinions on him. I It felt like he kind of stepped into the Tate role today, and he had seven catches on eight targets, which is great. But they only went for 36 yards. He didn't run the ball at all, which we, we know that's not really part of what he does. So I think if, if you have Riddick maybe queued up for a few weeks coming, you know, if you're really desperate at running back, and a lot of people are, I, I you know, I, I got some interesting questions of backs people asking me they wanted to play Devontae Booker. It turns out it would have been maybe a good call, but 
Mm. Maybe you have to use Riddick during the bye week season. I can't see that he'll be good enough once you have most of your team back. You should have better running backs, even in the shape of that position today. And Matt, I look at the upcoming schedule. Uh, the Lions play the Bears twice in the next three weeks, probably the best defense in football. They have another Vikings game uh, lined up in week 16. This Minnesota defense looks like it's finally starting to play like the defense we thought they would be before the season. Even teams that are losing teams, quote unquote, bad teams like Buffalo and Arizona, they have good defenses ranked in the top 10 in football outsiders DVOA. Chicago's ranked first, by the way. I'm looking at the schedule. I do not see how things are going to get better for Detroit. Yeah, let's be honest. Detroit is trying to change their offensive identity, I think, under mm-hmm. Matt Patricia. They want to become a run-first offense, you know, for whatever reason here in 2018. They want to have a big-time run game with on Johnson. You know, they trade up for an offensive lineman this year, an interior guy. And then they want to have long-developing deep passes uh, neither one of those things worked out today, as you mentioned. Obviously, the run game was not there. Carryon Johnson maybe saved you in a PPR league with three catches, only got seven yards off those. Big deal. Uh, Matt Stafford, 5.5 yards per attempt. This is a big change for them to be undergoing in the middle of a season, considering they used to be much more of a spread team, uh, small ball, as you mentioned, with Golden Tate. I- I'm with you that I don't know that I feel too secure about any of these Lions players today. You know, going into this, people ask me, should I play Aaron Jones or on Johnson? I'd said that on Johnson is probably the safer bet. I don't know that mm-hmm. I'm feeling that way uh, coming out of, out of week nine Sunday here. I'm with you on this being a little alarmed here. And even when Detroit gets into scoring position, we don't know if it will be on Johnson getting the chance to finish off those yep. drives because they still want Garrett Blunt to play football on this team for some reason. <laughs> he touched the ball six times today. Predictably, it went nowhere for 10 yards. So, you know, Stafford was a guy I drafted a lot of those middle uh, tier quarterback, a lot of Matt Ryan, a lot of Stafford, a lot of Philip Rivers. You know, some of those guys are playing well right now. Stafford, he, I'm in a couple of two quarterback leagues. Where I'm not sure he's good enough for the playoffs. I, I'm reevaluating this whole offense. And, you know, maybe Jim Bob Cooter, you, you know, it's, when they get, they hired Patricia, he's going to be here for a while. I mean, you know, coaches just don't go one and done unless everything goes wrong. And even then they don't always get fired. I wonder if maybe Jim Bob Cooter becomes a sacrificial lamb as the Lions slip to three and five. And, you know, this upcoming schedule is nasty. They have one more game like this. I wonder if maybe they go to a new coordinator. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good a good thought, because, you know, again, as you mentioned, that uh, Jim Bob Cooter was the guy that they they kind of brought in to create that small ball offense around Matthew Stafford to make him more efficient. We could definitely see a change going forward. The Ravens offense for me is the one that I, I don't know that I'm quite there, like just totally out on, but I'm trending that way, man, because the offensive line really hasn't been great pass protecting the last few weeks. Uh, Joe Flacco today, 37 attempts, 209 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but nevertheless, just didn't look good all game. Didn't look comfortable, was constantly under pressure. And in the passing game, people have wanted to guess which tight, like play the tight end roulette wheel in Baltimore. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I'm out on that idea. Hayden Hurst, one catch for 21 yards. Mark Andrews led the way with six targets, three for 50. I'm not trying to guess which guy is going to be the tight end. They want to go committee there. And even, I mean, my guy, John Brown, you know, I love the player, but in this offense with the quarterback play deteriorating, he's become incredibly boomer bust. And today was a big time bust game when it looked like it could be a good contest with six targets, three catches, 17 yards. Like, obviously, that's not going to get it done. Where do you stand on the Ravens offense? Is there anybody here that you're trusting or considering putting in fantasy lineups going forward? No, no. But I mean, Alex Collins on some teams I have that are desperate in the backfield. 
and again, a guy with a very low ceiling. I mean, he, he his touchdown uh, kind of bailed out his day. We talk about touchdown deodorant, but he only had 39 total yards. And eventually Ty Montgomery is going to get involved in this offense. Not that Montgomery necessarily becomes playable, but just another way for Collins not to touch the ball. This team wants to win. I don't know if you can really do it. We saw the Redskins get boat rest today, too. The Ravens are one of those teams that wants to win with defense and, and wants to win with maybe lower scoring games or, or slower pace games. And I think it's a hard nut to crack. I mean, granted, this, this kind of looked like a Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. A lot of times they play to the score, and sometimes those second matchups, uh, they play to a lesser score, and sometimes the second matchup in a division can be lesser scoring. There's been some data on that. So this looked like the type of Pittsburgh-Baltimore game we get in the middle of a season or in the second half of a season. It fit that type. But not only do I not want to start these guys, I don't even want to watch them. I agree with you. Brown's yeah. a terrific player. I mean, wouldn't you love to see him on the Saints or yes. you want to on yes. the on a, we see a lot of people on the Saints or on the Rams or on one of those teams that plays uh, you know the more modern version of football? The Ravens are not that team. And even though I think John Harbaugh is a good football coach, it was interesting that before today there was some talk that maybe he's on the hot seat and just coaches aren't meant to coach somewhere forever. You yep. know, just at some point you just need a different voice. You need a different, I mean, obviously the players turn over so quickly. So it's not even that, you know, he's been there with the same group of guys, but I just wonder if maybe it's time for a good coach in a winning program to go in a different direction. I don't think it would ever happen in the middle of the season, no, but maybe no, at the yeah. end of the year, it's time for Hobart to do something else. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And going forward, I think probably the only guy that I'm even considering rostering, you know, besides Alex Collins, the only guy I think I'm considering rostering is John Brown only mm-hmm. because the schedule does lighten up. They have their bye in week 10. Then they go Bengals Raiders at Falcons at chiefs bucks. And then they finish week 16 at the chargers. Pretty tasty matchups there. So uh, the, the Ravens offense definitely out of the circle of trust. John Brown out of the circle of trust. But I think you still want to keep him on your roster and maybe even consider playing him here and there if you need that ceiling play uh, going forward to the fantasy playoffs. But and definitely the, and the buy at the right time, too. When a yes. team plays as poorly as it did today, so long as you they don't need a break around next week, this is a great time to take a day off to recalibrate, to try to figure out what works and what doesn't work. It will be more time to get Montgomery in the offense. I, I don't want to make him out to be some difference maker, but he can help the team. He, he probably more important to them than he is to fantasy owners, but at least they're getting a reset at the right time. Cause this team you know, on a losing streak now definitely needs one. Here's the big thing too. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's just about resetting expectations with Brown. The rest of these guys, like I'm all out on trying to figure out the tight end position, Crabtree, whatever the, the running backs, forget it. Now I think one offense that we can both come together on and agree that we're probably out thinking about anymore is this jets offense, man. I mean, they're 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 up there with one of the worst teams in the NFL. They lose 13 to 6 today against the Miami Dolphins. There's nothing going on in the receiver core. There's nothing going on in the backfield. Isaiah Crowell leads the way, 13 carries for 49 yards. Elijah Maguire gets back out there, 7 for 30. The quarterback is regressing throughout his rookie year. Sam Darnold, four interceptions today. Is there anybody on this team that you're considering rostering or playing going forward, Scott, on the New York Jets? It's hard to even say this with a straight face. I guess I'm trying to get up the gumption to do it. <laughs> but Chris Herndon had touchdowns in three straight weeks. And then today, last week, it was just the one catch. Again, touchdown right. deodorant. But uh, today, four for 62 on four targets. In a year where we can't trust Rob Gronkowski and, and you know, a lot of it, you know, Delaney Walker was hurt early in the season. Greg Olson's been in uh, the lineup. He did play well today. Herndon has at least gotten on the map, you know, as a streamer, as a bye week guy, something like that. But uh, you wonder how much he'll keep if Quincy Anuma gets more and more healthy. He was a factor today, but you know, Herndon was the guy who was the most active player. I thought Jermaine Kirst was terrible. 
I thought Darnold was was awful. I mean, I, you know, a lot of it was they're having trouble even just executing a shotgun snap. And some people posited that maybe that led to his game. But you know, four sacks, four interceptions. It's not like this Miami defense is, you know, the 1972 Miami defense or, you know, fill in whatever defense, great defense you want. I know the field wasn't in the greatest condition. There's a lot of rain in the Miami area. But this was a football game. I mean, if the NFL Films lost this tape, if they said to us, sorry, no shortcuts, guys, no all 22, you just can't watch this game again. I don't know who would complain about it. <laughs> I don't want to see it. No. Um, I'm, I'm going crazy with Crowell. He's, you know, I need him on a couple of teams. He just, he just seems, he's kind of in that Alex Collins vortex of, okay, you know, 10, 10 carries for 30 yards today, 30, 13 carries for 49 yards. You can't live on that. You need a little bit more. He's got no upside whatsoever. Now Elijah McGuire is back in the mix. Uh, the the passing tree is very wide, and you know, for an offense that had 202 yards and no touchdowns, uh, they could use their bye. It turns out they have to play Buffalo next week. And again, as much as Buffalo isn't a good football team, they do have a good defense. I think I'm going to wipe the slate clean of all Jets. I don't think I'm going to have any running back inside the top 30. Uh, even Herndon, yeah, you know, he yeah. won't be inside my top 12. So most people should have a better tight end. Can't play a Numa without a prove it game. Can't play Robbie Anderson until he shows something again. Even getting those guys back today didn't help it's hard to imagine I, I don't again you don't want to overreact to outlier games but you watch the jets today and you wonder how they won three games yeah i have no idea i mean and you bet you that buffalo new york game next week like we might what are we gonna get like a 35 point overrunner on that one uh moving on to my headline of the day i feel like we've talked a lot about the panthers offense over the last few weeks but i think we got to talk about them again here they do exactly what you'd expect from them they dropped 42 points on the Buccaneers defense they beat them 42 to 28 in Carolina there were a couple moments where it looked like the Bucks are going to make this competitive but overall this was a Panthers driven game now my my interesting take on this game is that the guys that smashed that we would expect to smash they did just that you know Cam Newton has a good game two touchdowns through the air ironically was like the one not vulturing other people on the goal line. Chris McCaffrey pops in two rushing touchdowns. Curtis Samuel gets a rushing touchdown. Alex Arma, uh, the fullback, vultures at the goal line. The, the, we'll talk a little bit about Curtis Samuel later. Obviously, DJ Moore was the guy who came in with a ton of hype on his name, uh, but he only gets one carry for 32 yards, comes in and just gets one catch for 16 yards. Obviously, I don't know that you're trusting guys like Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore every week, but they're just part of raising this offense's ceiling because they're straight up playmakers. And that is really influencing the fantasy value of players like Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson, who went six for 76 and a touchdown today. The ceiling, the ceiling on this offense is just so much higher than it was in previous years. Yeah. And some fun matchups coming um, Pittsburgh and the lions the next two weeks. And there's another Buccaneers game, not too far down the road. I mean, the first thing you see when, when you see Carolina beat up the Buccaneers today is you just pray that the second Buccaneers game is in week 17. It turns out yes. it's the Saints uh, who play the, the Panthers in week 17. That's like, going to be a great week 15 game, too. I mean, look at this end of the year schedule. Uh, the Saints and the Falcons, week 15 and 16. I try not to look too far away, but that is such a bonanza for fantasy. I, if you told me ahead of time that the Panthers scored six offensive touchdowns, I think they actually got the least amount of fantasy juice out of those six touchdowns because Samuel, maybe he's somebody you can get to going forward, but you couldn't really play him into this game. Uh, There's a lot of attention paid to DJ Moore. I thought Funches was in a good spot. He didn't do a lot. It was a great McCaffrey game. I'm always happy when Greg Olson scores. I, I think he's a borderline hall of famer. I would like him to make it. Mm, I like I knew that. Cam just a couple of touchdowns in this game. So I felt like they got as little for us with six touchdown game, but still, 
it's just nice to know where so many matchups can go bad or a team out of nowhere can play well that sometimes you just look at a game and you're like, okay, we like Carolina's offense. We don't like Tampa Bay's defense. And at least the 42 points and the flow of this game fit what we would have expected beforehand, even if not all the touchdowns necessarily went to targets we could have anticipated. Yeah, no, the exciting part for me was just seeing like Norv Turner kind of start to feel himself a little bit there. The play where Curtis Samuel scored the touchdown, if you haven't watched a replay of it, it's incredible. I think he traveled over 100 yards of raw distance, according to next-gen stats. Like, it, it, the design was great. I love to see Norv out there just really feeling it. But by the way, I saw him. I saw Curtis Samuel do that in uh, an Ohio State-Michigan yes, game. Yes where Michigan had control of the game. I think, I think it was in the fourth quarter overtime and, and Samuel ran like 70 yards to make a nine yard gain. It's one of those plays that looked like a loss the whole way. And Samuel changed field miraculously. Nobody blocked anybody in the back. And it was just the key signature play of that game. And I remember thinking when I saw that play, I'm going to enjoy watching this guy on Sundays. And I was disappointed to Samuel's um, career to this point. Some of it's been injury. Some of it's been opportunity. And of course, they have a lot of playmakers here. I mean, you know, a week ago, we were all talking about how great DJ Moore looked. And, you know, he still is a very talented player. But it's cool just to see Samuel, a talented guy, get to spread his wings a little bit in this offense. I, mean, I think it was a second round draft choice. So when you take a wide out uh, that early, um, you're expecting him to be a contributor at this level. I mean, it's not like he's a you know, special teams guy only or something. So it was fun to see him, just a guy who we always saw in, at a big time college program, had ability to see him flash some of that today. Yeah, man, playmakers, and it's not something that you normally talk about in Carolina. We do normally talk about playmakers with the New Orleans Saints, and this is headline number three. Kamaran Ingram, it does not appear to be that this is some 1A, 1B situation today. When things needed to get done, it was Kamara getting touches. He scored the touchdowns. It looked like he was the one to Ingram's two here. What's your take on this backfield? Because, I mean, listen, Scott, I remember a couple weeks ago, you know, we saw a primetime game. I talk about primetime game bias all the time. <laughs> but it, people were legit losing their you-know-what over Alvin Kamara not getting any work and Mark Ingram getting the touchdowns. You know, were people freaking out over small sample size then, or am I overemphasizing small sample size right now, crowning Alvin Kamara the king of this backfield? I mean, I think there are going to be games where the flow fits Ingram and you know, whether it's they have a bigger lead or they, they want to just kind of pound away and, and finish off a team. But you saw this game, you know, and the Saints had a decent lead. The, the Rams came back and tied it. When, when push came to shove, when, when Sean Payton was in a position where he desperately needed a drive or desperately needed a play, Kamara was the guy they kept going to today. And I don't think anybody ever needed any help with Kamara. I mean, at his right. best, people have thought of him as maybe the second best player in fantasy this year at his worst. They still viewed him as a first round pick today showed me more about Ingram that he's not an automatic starter. It would depend on your depth. Uh, you know, I think some people were excited that maybe he'd be like a top 10, top 12, top 14 back. I, I think he's a far cry from that. I think he's another tier down. And and I guess the other spillover to this game is that I, I don't know how much the Rams were likely to pull off the reins and send everybody to Aruba a month early. I, I don't think it's smart to do that week 15, week 16, but if you wanted the Rams in play for late in the season and wanted that story off the table, you really needed the Saints to win this game because the Rams would have been so far ahead in the conference if they moved another game ahead of New Orleans and had the tiebreaker in hand. Now that's off the table. We know the Rams have to play the Chiefs in the not-so-distant future. It's going to be a really fun game, and it's also a game they can lose. It's out of conference, so not as important. But this conference now, I mean, it, now the Rams, uh, I'm sorry, the Saints actually have the upper hand. They've only lost once. 
and uh, they've beaten the Rams head to head. They have one game in hand on the Rams, but for fantasy purposes, this at least cleans up the Rams scenario. And I think it also just, if you needed that extra proof of how the pecking order was in that new Orleans backfield, I think we have it now that it's unquestionably Camara is that lottery pick. We thought he was and Ingram is a, maybe a starter, maybe a dunk guy. Yeah, totally with you. I mean, he hasn't scored since that is his debut game where he popped in two touchdowns against Washington, and his carries have gone 16, 12, 13, 9. Uh, definitely not a player that you are automatically clicking, as you mentioned. So I think that is a, a smart observation. Uh, and last headline here, headline number four. I know this is actually something that you're really passionate about. Do you, what do you think about these? some of these big-name guys who return from injury? Are they a good going forward? And does this test your kind of, you know, I know you're not big on injury optimism and I agree with you. Dalvin Cook comes out, rips off a 70 yard run, has a good solid game and his return actually hits the top speed of any running back this or any ball carrier this year at 22 miles per hour. According to next gen stats, Cooper Cup scores a long touchdown. Do these guys test your theory or or is this uh, something that, that you're taking note of? The interesting thing to me about Cook is he outtouched Latavius Murray. We knew who Cook was going to play. We knew it was going to be in a pitch count. We knew Detroit's defense is one of those get-well defenses. Not that Minnesota's offense really went crazy in this game. I mean, Cousins only had 164 and a touchdown, albeit he was 18 for 22 passing. You know, Thielen had his quietest game of the year. He, he got some touchdown deodorant, but, you know, 22 yards for Thielen. We haven't seen that guy in a long time. <laughs> but if you told me Cook was going to get 14 touches, I could have signed off on playing him. I just didn't think they were going to do I, I thought he would be maybe five to eight touches, maybe 10 touches, assuming Murray didn't get hurt. I don't know if Murray's fumble at the goal line, it, it still was a touchdown, but I don't know if that encouraged Minnesota to maybe be more proactive with Cook. Again, I, I know all of this is always going to be contextual. It's going to depend on options. I ranked Cup probably a half a tier to a tier lower than most people, and I certainly look wrong after he has a big game against the, the Saints. Obviously, Alshon Jeffrey, somebody I didn't draft all summer, worried about the shoulder. He's been really good you know, on bye week this week, but he's out performing expectations but you know let's think of all the guys you have it i mean doug right, Baldwin can't right. get in the end zone to save his life and you know uh, the levion bell situation not injury necessarily but that story has you know has lagged into the season uh, with cook it comes down to what could you have projected from cook reasonably before this game because murray's been pretty good for them the last few weeks i just thought cook was going to be the secondary back for whatever reason didn't play that way cook looked great on the 70 yard run he caught four passes so it's great i'm excited to play cook the next opportunity we have I defend the idea of Cook not playing in this game because he had missed so much time and because they had another player with him being productive. I just couldn't imagine how we could ever get to 18 or 20 carries for Cook. And, and even like double-digit touches I thought was a stretch. The 14 touches did surprise me. To me, I'm 100% with you on not you know just immediately trending towards injury optimism. What you do is you, you take it on a case-by-case basis. And I would have played both of these guys. In fact, I did play both of these guys in a couple of leagues today because a mm -hmm. with with Dalvin Cook we talked about it earlier man this is bye week hell a week like this like I, I'm I've got you know some one team where I have Dalvin Cook I got to throw him in there because like who else am I going to play I can guarantee a couple of I mean even if it was eight touches from Dalvin Cook I'm taking that over taking a zero on a guy at a bye week or something like that and then with Cooper Cup the reason I was still in on him despite this being the week where he was going to you know come back from a long injury absence. This is a game of the 60-point over-under. I'm going right. to break ties in a favor. Of getting, yeah. Season, yeah. Especially a guy like Cooper Cup, who's the red zone player, who's a guy that's going to get those high leverage targets. So I think we're in agreement here that this is something that you know you take as a case-by-case -case basis. It's good to have that hard and fast rule of, I'm not just going to immediately be the injury optimist. 
but I do leave myself a little margin for error. But we are going to move now into our at me segment, where, of course, we ask our users to send us questions. Don't at me, bro. And you did, in fact, add us. And we asked you today, we're asking you about some players that let you down. You know, who, who, who disappointed you today? And most importantly, beyond just being prisoners of the moment, are these guys that we should be worried about beyond? Uh, just this weekend. And by the way, I would say that you know that we have a good question for you when followers immediately start suggesting their friends, their family members that also let them down today. But we won't dive into that psychology. What we will dive into is some of the players. And the other Victor Cruz says that Mike Evans was a player who let him down today. Evans gets 10 targets. The, you know, the game script was there for him to smash in this game. Fitzmagic is back. But big dud here with just a single catch from Mike Evans. Scott, what did you make of that performance today? It's going to be the biggest stone fluke of the week. I mean, you know, Evans was going ballistic in the earlier Fitzmagic run. I uh, had a really big game uh, against Cleveland, a really big game against Cincinnati in the Winston era. I know last week was split between Winston and Fitzpatrick. Just they couldn't get on the same page today. I'm going to have to rewatch all those snaps just to see if there's anything more to be gleaned by it. But receivers are variance position. I mean, you know, Thielen, again, Thielen, what do you have, 24 yards today, 22 yeah. yards, something like that. I mean, there's going to be days when Antonio Brown has two or three catches. I mean, it happens. You know, Julio Jones couldn't get in the end zone until today. This is just, it's just a, a position filled with variance. This is a player who, in Evans, has been very consistent, who's been productive with both quarterbacks. It just, for whatever reason, didn't happen to for him today. It's encouraging they kept throwing him the ball. Opportunity and talent are really good places to put your chip on in fantasy. I'm going to follow the talent and opportunity that Evans presents. He Again, he's shown it with both quarterbacks, so it's not like he doesn't click with one of these guys. This just doesn't make any sense. It's a stone fluke. I would forget it ever happened. Yeah, I'm going to talk. I am agree with you. I'm going to chalk this up to two things. One, as you mentioned, stuff happens. And two, we don't know. We sure like to say like we know a lot of stuff about football, but my biggest thing coming into this game was like, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's back. He's going to sling it to the outside the numbers, guys. He's going to go deep, not like Jameis Winston, who likes to involve the slot receiver, involves the tight end. Sure mm-hmm. enough, four touchdown passes today. Two of them go to the tight end. Two of them go to the slot receiver. So it shows what I know. Uh, real real great effort from uh, from those guys there. Mike Evans, yeah, not so much. I played Jackson in all my DFS. Yeah, exactly. That. So, great Fitzpatrick. And, of course, you know he was terrific. You know, Hardly more productive than than Evans. He's a washout game, too. Yeah, pretty rough. Uh, Next one comes in from at average Hall of Famer mentions Adrian Peterson. I mean, we gushed over Adrian Peterson uh, last week, Scott, on this game or on this very podcast. And today he comes out pretty big, pretty big disappointment. Uh, While Atlanta on the other side of the ball ran wild. Adrian Peterson goes for nine for 17, uh, has three catches for 16 yards. Peterson still remains involved in the pass game. but disappointing effort from Adrian Peterson here. Do you make much of this beyond the fact that, I mean, talk about the worst game script possible for a two down banger back like Adrian Peterson losing for 38, 14 at home. And of course the fact that we should mention that Washington had more than their fair share of offensive line injuries. At some point it looked like they were going to have to put some defensive linemen back there. Yeah, that was an incredible tweet. Wasn't it? That one more injury and they would have been playing defensive players. And and like Washington was in this exact situation last year where they had a, bevy of offensive linemen go down it's like come on man because this can this team get a break on the front five it comes down to this for peterson i know we don't think too much about a player's own defense all that often but washington i still think is a good defense if you watch them at the saints game they get the doors blown off in new orleans the, the night that Brees set the passing record i it's wrong wrong place wrong time wrong opponent 
And today they met up against the Falcons offense that the first game of the season, they played Philadelphia. They couldn't get out of their own way in the red zone and, and a bunch of people. And I will put myself at the top of this list. We're calling for Steve Sarkeesian's head, not in his head, literally, but like his clipboard and his yeah, whistle yeah. and, you know, maybe his iPad. You know, I wanted him. <laughs> I, I just didn't have confidence after last season's frustration that he could get this offense cooking and get the touchdowns they should get. You can measure it to red zone trips. Since then, the Falcons have been automatic. They have just been a machine converting close opportunities to touchdowns. And I think Washington ran into a buzzsaw today. It made a good defense look bad. They obviously have problems with the offensive line. They're going to have to sort that stuff out. But most of the time, this is a team that's going to try to win, you know, those 20 to 17, 23, 17, 2013, their last three wins. Those are the type. That's the type of game script this team wants, the type of pace, the type of game flow. It's going to fit Peterson just today. Just didn't have enough work to, to really get on track. At least he had the three catches that bailed out his score a little bit. It gave you a few extra points. There was a time where Peterson in a game like this would never catch the ball. So at least he's used a little bit more proactively there, but Write this one off to they ran to the wrong offense at the wrong time. I, I think he's going to be I think he's actually going to be pretty much a no doubt running back too as long as he's healthy the rest of the season. I have no problem writing off this result. Yeah, I think I'm with you uh, on that one. And I'm actually going to I feel the same way about the player that we get next from John who mentions Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tariq Cohen was a big letdown today after having a good stretch of games here. He went six carries for five yards on the ground and just one catch for eight yards. But I'm not worried about this performance because I think this was actually pretty easy to see coming. I don't know that I necessarily would have benched Tariq Cohen, but because of how good he is. And as I mentioned earlier, the running back options that you had, but this was a game where the bears were heavy favorites, even going into Buffalo. They fulfill that and more with a 41 nine victory over the Buffalo Nathan Petermans and Tariq Cohen actually kind of gave you a warning sign of this is what could happen to him in uh, positive game script last week when he had just five carries and one catch I mean six touches mm-hmm. he gets see seven touches today these games are in his range of outcomes but I don't think that they're always going to be the norm so I get it Tariq Cohen's definitely a bit of a thin play but I still think he's one you're generally making in fantasy Keep in mind, too, Chicago scores those two touchdowns on defense, yes. which is the worst thing for a fantasy offense, You know, especially a guy like Cohen, where he's not the type of player. Once Chicago gets comfortably ahead, I know they had no problem with Trubisky throwing a late touchdown to Burton, so they kept those guys in the game late. But I would think when Chicago, they, we saw against the Jets where they ran away from the Jets, and you know Cohen didn't get a lot of touches the second half of this game. I, I think it's one of those cases where, they don't want to overexpose him if they don't need to. I mean, they know at what is he five six one eighty. You know, he's not somebody met, meant for a big touch count. You get a hope to hit the home runs. You know, he hit the home run in the screen pass last week. So it's not oh, you, you're not nobody ever plays Tariq Cohen on the volume. You're hoping to get splash plays. The thing that does worry me a little bit is he's fumbled three times in his last four games. Uh, they only lost one of the fumbles, but you know, anytime you put the ball on the ground, you're putting your offense at risk. I think that comes out to three fumbles and thirty nine touches. That's a ratio that teams are not going to accept. So he needs to be careful with the ball security just so he doesn't they don't have a reason to play other guys who they, they feel safer about. But, yeah, I just write this one off to, again, the, the game flow didn't go his way. They scored two touchdowns on defense. He's probably not a player they want to overexpose in games that get out of hand. This game got out of hand quickly. But in a year where there aren't a lot of running backs, it's just a very top-heavy position. There's some great guys at the top. And a lot of the stars did great today. You know, Kareem Hunt was terrific. And Melvin Gordon shows every week. Even a Todd Gurley just either has a good game or a great game or a monster game. Today was like about as bad as you could get from Gurley. He still was perfectly fine. But it's very top-heavy position. 
running back two is gets ugly really quick. I'm starting guys. I'm embarrassed to admit week in week <laughs> out. I actually still feel pretty good about Tariq Cohen more often than not. Yeah. I think you make a great point about the defensive touchdowns. That is the thing that I feel like people do not consider enough with offensive players uh, that when you lose a possession uh, off, off of a defensive touchdown, much less two like today, this is a situation like last week with the Saints. They lost an offense position because of that pick six by P.J. Williams. And, you know, that was a big ding to guys like Traquan Smith and even some of their other big, more big name players. People don't consider that enough. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's something I try to always remind people. And the last one that we have from our at me segment here, this one comes in from Dan Cash, uh, who was not making any money off Cortland Sutton today. One of the most popular DFS plays because of his price got, I mean, just an absolute ton of hype coming into this week because, of course, Demarius Thomas is gone. He gets five targets. That was third most on the team. Catches three for 57 in a pretty solid matchup uh, against the Houston Texans. Do you think we overextended ourselves with Sutton this week? Uh, maybe not you and I, but maybe the industry as a whole or, or whatever. Is Sutton a guy that you think you can start every single week going forward, or is he a guy that's still just in that kind of wide receiver three flex mix? You know, even if I were to put the wide receiver three tag on him, and I'll be fair, I was uh, a tier higher on him before this week, and I, I'm sure I had him in the low 20s, the mid 20s. But even if he were a wide receiver three for me, it would be the high end wide receiver three, more of the preferred wide receiver three, the top of that bucket. They want him to be a starter. Um, he has shown the, the ability to make splashy. But even today, if this is his quote unquote bad game. He still had 57 yards. Right. I mean, he, he, he did perfectly fine. I mean, as Emmanuel Sanders had 47 yards, are people going to panic on him and drop him? I, mean, I don't think so. It was a little unusual to see uh, Jeff Hurman have a monster game from the <laughs> yeah. tight end. But uh, so they want something to be a starter. I think the trade for Thomas was, you know, of course, they wanted to move on from Thomas. And, you know, it was the time to trade a guy like that because they're not going to bring him back anyway. But, they view Sutton as a legitimate starting outside receiver in this game. And again, maybe if we overstepped it, it was by maybe a half tier. I would still mm -hmm. love to have him anywhere I could. I actually don't think I have any seasonal Sutton. I did play him a lot in DFS. So that's, that shows how I felt about him. I, I think he's going to be more often than not. He's going to start for fantasy teams and he's going to produce for fantasy teams. Maybe just the shiny new toy syndrome might've kicked in where, you know, when you play a new guy, maybe it's easy just to get, run away with expectations, but I still think they have a hit here. I'm glad that Thomas is gone. And I think Sutton has an excellent chance to be playable more often than not. Yeah. I think I'm somewhere right around maybe a little bit more negative than where you are. Just in the fact that I, I, I do agree with you that like you're, if you have Sutton good, that's a good thing. He was right to be picked up. He was right to, for people to be excited about him. I do think maybe people overextended, like you mentioned, just by half a tier or so, uh, immediately tossing him to the lineup, breaking ties in favor of him in season long leagues. It was a great process playing DFS, of course, because he was cheap. And I mean, even probably at that price, still depending on where you're playing, probably uh, paid back that value. But let's move into our lightning round pickup section here, Scott, before we get out of here. Of course, buys next week, Broncos, Vikings, Ravens, Texans, a bit of a mixed bag. Some of the offenses we have some questions about, but a lot of players that people lock into their fantasy lineups every week. Uh, Scott, give us some, give us a pickup of a running back today who actually kind of, uh, kind of had a little bit of a bounce back effort with his coach getting the boot. Yeah, Duke Johnson, you know, one of the big stars of the day, a couple of receiving touchdowns. We know they're not going to use him a lot in the running game, but all we've ever wanted with Duke Johnson is a coaching staff that likes him as much as we do. We do. And you know, maybe with Hugh Jackson out the door and Todd Haley out the door, they're reluctant to use Johnson. And you know, maybe the new guys you know, seem to have, uh, whether it's evaluating Johnson or just believing in his talent. Now, he's at 47% owned, so he's owned in a lot of leagues. I, I don't think I can pick him up anywhere, but just because 
his coach is not Hugh Jackson, just because his coach is not Todd Haley. I'm excited about Duke Johnson. I mean, I think he could be, you look at the season James White is having, you know, most of it through the year, or the season that Cohen's having, although he doesn't get a ton of volume. I think Duke Johnson can be one of those guys. And maybe not as good as White, but he can be somebody who eventually morphs into a set and forget RB2, kind of the way Tariq Cohen is right now. I think Johnson has a chance to be that guy. If he were on one of my waiver wires, I'd be making a two-handed push with the chips. I dig it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he's never a guy that I'm totally uh, totally thrilled about, Duke Johnson, but I'm hoping I'm hoping that we see more usage of him. So that's a good call out from you. I'm going to go with a receiving back as well. And it's somebody we talked about earlier, Theo Riddick. Uh, seven catches today, as we mentioned. was I think he kind of is really the only player on this roster that would be that short receiving route guy now that Golden Tate is gone. Uh, and of course, as, as, as you mentioned, if the Lions are going to fall into a slump here, they're going to start to regress as an offense and as a team. That's going to mean just some junk fantasy production from one Theo Riddick, who I think if he's on your waiver wire out there, you go and pick him up after missing a few weeks. He's probably available in a lot of places. He's only owned in 9% of Yahoo League, so he's somebody that you can go out and grab. You've got another running back, somebody that's not necessarily like the, you're going to think about playing him like a Duke Johnson or a Theo Riddick, but somebody that is a very high upside stash that people should not be forgetting about. Yeah, uh, Spencer Ware, who a player people were excited about before Kareem Hunt was drafted. Uh, didn't completely come together for where two years ago. And then, of course, Hunt, you know, a special talent, touches down in Kansas City. But uh, Ware showed today his chops in the passing game. He was part of that loaded LSU team when he was in college. I mean, he's somebody who's played a uh, high-level college. He had his moments with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. And when is exactly his handcuff season? I mean, some people, it might be late October. Some people, it might be right around now. Some people, maybe it's, it's another week away. But I think if you own Hunt, you better own Ware. I, I think if you own... Todd Gurley, you better own Brown, who had a great touchdown catch in the Saints game. Some people are still struggling to put out an active roster, so maybe they won't fight you over the guys like where. Uh, you need to think about it if you have Hunt. And even if you just want a lottery ticket, you just want, okay, I'm one in, we don't wish injury on anybody, but I'm just one hit away from maybe having the starting running back and an Andy Reid offense. Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, where's available in 95% of Yahoo leagues? Yeah, I think whether you own Kareem Hunt or not, having Spencer Ware on your roster is a good idea. Uh, last guy I will call out here in the pickup section is some another player we talked about earlier, Curtis Samuel, who is just 1% owned, I think is at the point now where we can consider rostering him. We've wanted to see more from him. Of course, you don't get a ton of volume out of him today. I don't think you're ever going to get a ton of volume out of Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore for that matter. Both those guys are going to probably cannibalize each other on a week-to-week basis. Mm. But we want to know, or we see we see that they want to use these guys in the ground game. Each of them have a carry. Of course, Curtis Samuel takes his big carry for 33 yards and a touchdown. He catches two for 25 and another touchdown. Where he, I mean, he looked damn good as a receiver on that play. I think we're going to just see more of these two guys. They raise the overall ceiling of the Panthers offense. So if you need an upside play, and I think you should be prioritizing upside right now more, especially if you're through your bye week gauntlet, prioritize, prioritize upside over just these, you know, Danny Amendola types. It's like, well, I can, I can, I can get eight points out of this guy, you know, in a PPR league or whatever. You don't really need that as much as you might need a big hit like Curtis Samuel in a week winning type of player. But Scott, speaking of winning the week, I think we just won this week nine uh, recap podcast. I mean, I think you crushed it. I think I did solid in the hosting chair. So uh, we are going to sign off. Uh, again, remember you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple podcast. You can find us on Spotify. Who doesn't like Spotify? Uh, you can get us basically wherever you get 
podcast. You can subscribe, rate, review. Please do that. Uh, Liz will be back on Thursday, so again, you won't be stuck with me forever. Uh, Liz, yeah, will let's, be- let's reset. Let's reset the schedule. Amari Cooper comes back on Monday, and then Liz comes back on Thursday. Uh, Amari Cooper and, and Liz Loza, basically the same person. Hard to hard to deny. Uh, yeah, except that Liz would Liz would command two number one picks. Uh, Cooper only got one. Damn straight. Good analysis on that one for sure. Remember, you can find all of our content at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. You can submit questions to at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter. And you can, of course, follow Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter and the fellow underscore bro here, Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We are out. <laughs>